the volume. The Sessions is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place to make every moment more than with FanDuel. They're America's number one sportsbook for a reason, y'all. It's so easy to use. It's safe and secure. That's one of the main things for me. I don't want any BS. I love that there's no BS with FanDuel. Plus, you get your winnings fast. Now winnings are delivered in as quick as two hours. Plus, it's super fun to combine multiple bets from the same game into a same game parlay. It's awesome. So if you are new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started now. Sign up with the promo code Renee, that's R-E-N-E-E, so that they know that I sent you. Disclaimer, 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, Wyoming, or West Virginia. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona 18887897777 or visit ccpg.org/chat for Connecticut 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com/rg for Colorado, Iowa, Indiana, Illinois, New Jersey, Pennsylvania and Virginia 1-877-770-STOP for Louisiana 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY for New York Tennessee Redline 1-800-889-9789 and 1-800-522-4700 for Wyoming. Visit www.1800gambler.net for West Virginia. What up, party people? Oh my God, I like really plan on launching into this um, opening of the podcast with like a big, what up, party people? But my daughter's sleeping in the room next to me, so I just like launched in with like the most half-assed version what I had intended on doing. Anyways, that's the story behind that. Um, This is a fun episode for me. I hope that you guys enjoy it as much as I did. My buddy, my pal, Jay McCaslin, you guys may know him as Cone from Sum 41. We go way the freak back, all the way back. Um, We get into the whole thing, but um, yeah, I mean, I grew up friends with his youngest sister, Krista, watched Sum 41 take off. They were like, the shit blew everybody's mind that these guys from Ajax, Ontario struck it big the way that they did. It was so damn cool. But yeah, talk to Jay just about life. He's getting ready to go back on the road. Talking about his just his family life. His wife is one of my absolute best friends. Our kids all got to play uh, a couple weeks ago when I was back home in Toronto. Um, So just some good, wholesome content, you know? Got their new album, uh, Heaven and Hell, a, a double album, which is very freaking cool. They're actually coming through Cincinnati in a little bit, and I can't wait to go see them. So without further ado, here is my pal, Jay McCaslin. This is probably one of the weirdest interviews I've done. It's a weird one to like prep for. I mean, I mean, obviously interviewing John was weird. I actually shot my very, like the pilot episode of this was with John and he was like, that was fucking terrible because I just asked him about things that people kind of already know about. Anyways, Jay and I go way back. I've known you since I was about a teenager. It's been a while. You went to the same school as my sister and me. I I think you're younger than a teenager, weren't you? Well, no, because I didn't meet Krista until high school. So it would have been like, early teen well how old are you in high school like 14 so oh my god that's like a long time I just like quickly did the math and it's like wow that's a long time that has passed and then you uh dated one of my best friends I did and then you dumped him you know 
<laughs> What's funny is as I was getting ready for this, I'm like, wait, are we going to talk about Matt or not? Um, I mean, hopefully he doesn't mind. Do you think Matt cares? No, he's, he's married now to it. Yeah, it's such old news. It's a long time ago. He's got kids. I'm married and have a kid. Uh, yeah, I dated Matt for a while. Your wife is one of my best friends in the whole world. We happen to have the exact same hands, which uh, is a whole other story for perhaps another podcast. You guys are weird with that. I know. I know. Um, okay, so what's going on with you? You're about to go back on tour. You are launching a new radio show. You're doing a little bit of everything right now. I don't have the same kind of production that you have with my radio show, but actually I got some behind the scenes people. But yeah, so I mean, yeah, for first thing is first, we are going back on tour. I leave on the 25th. We're doing a co-headline through the United States with Simple Plan, who we've never toured with before. We used to not get along. And this goes way back to like 2000. We had a bad thing happen, like a big rift between us. And then from then on, from for years and years and years, even when we were on MTV and we're doing big interviews, we always used to like shit talk each other. It, it got pretty like vicious at one point. And I remember like in Italy, we almost got into a fight with them backstage and it went on for years and years. But after a while, um, you start to think back and, you know, now that I'm, you know, in my forties, I you know, kind of think back, it's like, why are we fighting? And I don't even remember why we started fighting. I had to, I had to kind of read up about it. I had to research my own band and say, some 41 fights with simple plan. I was like, Oh yeah, that's why I run a fight. Um, <laughs> Wait, so why did you guys hate each other? What is the history there? So what had happened was, I guess, um, their drummer wrote for a magazine. This is pre, like, you know, pre All Killer No Filler, pre our first big album. And I don't even think they had an album out yet. And so he was kind of a writer for this magazine in Quebec. And I guess he gave our first EP, Half Hour Power, he gave it a, a really bad review. So, you know, it was all fueled by a record company. A record company was like, oh, look at this. This guy plays in this band and he gave you this bad review. And we we're like, whoa, fuck that guy. From then on, we started like kind of saying stuff about them. And then they caught wind of that and then they started, you know, and so they started saying stuff about us. And then we just kind of went back and forth for years. But then, you know, like I say, that was in 2000, that was 22 years ago. I think we're over it now. <laughs> yeah, 100%. So have you guys had that initial conversation to just smooth it over and be like, oh, I guess, are we best friends now? Maybe Let's not push it with best friends, but you guys can be like coexisting on tour together. Yeah, I think, you know, Derek just did a song with them. He, um, so I think he- So he is real buddy-buddy with them. I think he's in, yeah. Uh, I haven't seen those guys in a while. <laughs> Derek's actually the new lead singer for Simple Plan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. Um, no, but I haven't actually seen them in a long time, but I think the last time I saw them, it was, it was kind of on the verge of being okay again, as you get older and, and you start seeing each other and you're not really mad at them anymore. And they're not really mad at you. It just becomes awkward. So like every time we would see each other, it would just kind of be like, Hey, Hey, you kind of just be awkward about it. It's like, why aren't we friends with these guys? And you don't know. It's like, we didn't know why. And so now I think, you know, this is the first time I'm going to see them is on tour and we're going to do a long tour. We're doing two legs through the States. Um, hopefully we get along. I, I'm sure we will because <laughs> it's a long tour not to, but yeah, I think it's going to be fine. And, you know, I think, you know, they're nice guys and, you know, I think it's going to be a great tour and you're coming, right? You're coming to Cincinnati show. I, I am. Yeah. I'm going to be there. I'm going to come to the Cincinnati show. Um, I think we were talking that I have to come to your guys sound check so I can bring Nora so she can check things out. We'll put the baby to bed. And then, uh, then it's game on. So I will definitely be keeping my finger on the pulse, my eyes open to see if there is any real rift here 
between Sum 41 and Simple Plan. Um, but I'm excited. I'm really excited to come like see you guys. I've been able to see you guys. I mean, shit, a ton. But just in general, when you guys would come through Vegas, I would come out and see your guys show. Um, it's, it's always a really good time. You guys put on a hell of a show. Um, how do you prepare to go on tour, especially like this time around. It's been a big chunk of not being on the road. How are you feeling about it? Yeah, I'm a little stressed about that because normally, you know, we don't have a lot of time between tours. So it's like a week or two. So I'm just kind of in tour shape all the time. But you know, we haven't played since the end of February 2020. You know, other bands have been doing shows, you know, Green Day did that big stadium tour last year. It's like bands have been doing stuff. We just haven't. You know, we've been recording, you know, we have a, a double album that's coming out later on, but we haven't played any shows. So really, I'm kind of getting into, we're, and this this tour is going to be an anniversary tour for our first full-length album, All Killer No Filler. So we're playing all those songs, which I'm kind of happy about because they're, back then we weren't very good. <laughs> now you can do them more justice? Yeah, like I, I started relearning some of the songs we haven't played for a while. And I was like, oh yeah, right, four chords. Okay, this is going to be easy. I think the hard part's going to be is just the stamina because when you get on stage, it's, you know, it's, you know, like, uh, wrestling, you have to get, you have to get ready for going into the ring. It's like, we're going into the ring, you know, you know, and I, so I started running. I'm not a big runner. So I've started running. I've started, you know, wait, what is your like workout schedule? So for people that don't know, Jay's wife is a personal trainer. Um, and she is always in impeccable shape. I know she's usually up your ass to try to get you working out. So what does she put you through? Does she get you ready? She she tries to, but she you know she's, uh, <laughs> she. I mean, she's a real trainer. I don't I don't want that. I I can't deal with that. I just need to go on my own terms. I need to have my own program that I I do. You know, she's like she has boot camps in the park. That's not for me. I can't. Do that. So I just <laughs> you should join them. I hear they're popular. Yeah, I don't know. You know, I, then you got to chat with other people and. Fair. Yeah, I have no interest in that. Small talk while you're working out. Like, do you do you go to gyms? Sometimes I do, but I've been recently like re so we had a gym in our house when we were in Vegas. And I had a gym that I went to there, but now in Cincinnati, we have this like weird garage storage area. So I'm turning that into a gym. There's really just a treadmill and like a couple resistance bands in there. But I do, I like to just, I want to put on my headphones. I don't want to talk to anybody, especially when like your heart rate's up and you're like, I can't have a conversation right now. It's horrible. Yeah. Like, so we have a little gym in our basement, but like, I don't want to be beside anyone and have to talk to them while I'm doing any of that sweating and huffing for like, I I'm kind of, I'm a little out of shape right now. Like that's why I'm, I'm running. I'm constantly trying to work out because I'm like, oh my God, we got like two weeks. So I got to go on stage. So I don't want to be like gasping for air and trying to talk to Joe next to me. You know, it's like, I don't, it's not for me. So I'm just kind of doing it on my own time. What is your gym attire? I don't think I've ever seen you in gym clothes. <laughs> what are you wearing at the gym? <laughs> Jean jacket, you know. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I, uh, I got some runners. Okay. Some runners, I got uh, some shorts and a t-shirt. Well, I mean, your nickname has pretty much always been Skinny J, <laughs> which not that that helps with cardio all the time. It's definitely, you know, a step in the right direction, but trying to keep cardio up. It's like, you know, I always hear wrestlers say that too. It's like, no matter what kind of training you do, nothing prepares you for when you actually get in the ring. And I imagine it's the same for you guys. Yeah, it's almost like for us, you kind of have to, because, you know, with singing and, and playing, you kind of almost have to go on your run and sing while you're running. We have actually a guy on our street that's like an ex-opera singer or something like that. And he just does opera up. He's on a skateboard and doing opera. 
And I, I was like, that's actually a good idea. That's, it's a great idea because, you know, everyone's like, oh, there's the opera guy coming down the street. But I'm like, that's actually brilliant because he's actually training real for the stage. Because when you get on, like you said, when you get on stage and you're moving, your adrenaline's going, when you start to go to sing, you haven't trained for it. <laughs> like it, you, you can only train for it by running and singing at the same time. I remember hearing that Beyonce's dad used to make her do that. I remember reading this in like an article years and years ago. I'm like, oh my God, that makes such perfect sense. So I always think, not that I'm singing when I'm on the treadmill, but I'll mouth the words. That's as far as I get with it. But I know, smart man. I mean, if Beyonce does it, you should be doing and, it. And I don't, but uh, I should be. <laughs> you and the opera guy, jump on his, whatever, whoever's training him, get on with that. What a longboard. I could slip on the back. Fight fans, take your best shot with a risk-free bet of up to $1,000 from FanDuel Sportsbook. Even if your fighter gets knocked out or tapped out, new customers get up to $1,000 back if your first bet doesn't win. Just sign up using the promo code Renee to bet on all the biggest boxing matches and UFC fights. Get up in there, make some money. You guys can choose from the money line and the method of victory and so much more. FanDuel is America's number one sports book. The app is so freaking easy to use. And when you win, you get paid real fast. And FanDuel Sportsbook has just launched in Ontario, Canada, my home province. Let's get after it. So to please your first bet risk-free, just sign up with the promo code Renee. That's R-E-N-E-E. Disclaimer, 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Minnesota, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, or Wyoming. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as is knowledge travel set credit that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342 for Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat for Connecticut. 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG for Colorado, Iowa, Indiana, Illinois, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and Virginia. 1-877-770-STOP for Louisiana. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-877-8- Hope NY or text Hope NY for New York, Tennessee Redline 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee and visit www.1800gambler.net for West Virginia or 1-800-522-4700 for Wyoming. Okay, this double album, talk to me about this and what is your process like of even putting together an album like this and then for you guys to prepare to take this out and tour it? Yeah, uh, it's it's still in the pro in progress, but uh, what had happened was, you know, our band through our evolution you know, uh, first the first album, Half Hour Power, was like I guess what's called pop punk is what the media pigeonholed us. And so, you know, through the years, we were, were big fans of heavy metal as well, and metal and harder music. And we just got kind of got better, and we wanted to go in that way. And so our next couple albums were a little heavier. And then, you know, we went back to pop punk again. And then we we've had all these kind of genres of music. So I think you know Derek was writing a lot of songs over this pandemic. With, you know, no thing of like, I want to make this kind of album, just writing songs. It was kind of like, you know, he sent me all these songs to start to play bass on. I was like, wow, they're drastically different. Like, you know, you're going from like a song like ours, like In Too Deep to like thrash metal. Like, it's like really different. So all of a sudden there was a lot of songs, you know, 16, 18, 20 songs. So we started talking about, you know, what are we going to do with all? You can't kind of put the pop punk ones, the popular ones next to these kind of metal songs. It just wouldn't work on a record. So the idea came up to have a double album, having 
the poppier pop punk ones on one album. So it'd be heaven and hell, be the pop punk and then the heavier stuff as hell. Yeah. So I think, you know, it's, it's nothing we've ever done before. It's really exciting. And, uh, and especially in this day and age of Spotify and streaming and YouTube is like, not a lot of people are venturing into this double album territory. So we're going to see what happens. Just for me getting ready to like do this interview, like I will say growing up and seeing you guys get the success you did right off the bat. Like I remember that being like such a huge deal for everybody in Ajax, Ontario, Canada. It was like, wait, what's happening? These guys are doing what? I remember you guys like, didn't you, when you first signed, like have like some water guns and you were like driving around and like water balloons and just like pranking people and stuff. But I I feel like for me, seeing you guys have all that success definitely gave me more like courage to go, shit, I want to go do something as well. These guys from Ajax went into this thing, like maybe I can go do something too. Um, But how much do you look back on like being like that kid from Ajax? I mean, you still live in Toronto. Uh, Your family's in Ajax. You get to spend a lot of time there. You're you're the only band member that it's still in Canada, right? Dave's as well, yeah. Dave's and Dave's and Whitby. Okay. Yeah, I mean, the it was a it was a, I mean, we still lived that with our parents, right? So it's it's strange. Because, yeah, like little babies. Yeah, we were, when we got signed, we were nineteen years old, and I do remember. But well, what was happening was we had sent out songs to all these record companies, and they weren't paying attention. Like certain songs, like four songs to send to record companies, no one was paying attention to us. So we were trying to figure out, like, how are we going to, um, you know, stand out and how are we going to get people to pay attention to us? So we made these little video, this little video, which you're talking about, where we went around Ajax and egg houses and all this stuff. And we filmed it all and edited it into this little video with with our songs behind it, then sent out the same songs to the record companies. And now everyone loved us. They're like, oh, I like this band now. But they're the same songs that they had heard and said, we don't like this band. So then we had, yeah, then it was kind of a, a whirlwind because then we had every single record company in the U.S. coming up to Toronto to see us play. It was weird because we were just barely legal to drink, too. We were only 19. It seems so long ago now. It seems like it's so far gone. But I do remember it being just like, there it is. Like, you know, this is this is the dream that every band dreams of and you guys are getting it. And the other thing was, it was so much pressure at the time, too, because now we have well, now we're getting signed to Island Def Jam and now we got to go make a record and now it's got to be good. And now we got to have hits. And, you know, they weren't just saying like, oh, we love you. Just come, come with us. They're like, we want hits. And so there's a lot of pressure. And, you know, only being at, when we recorded the first album, we weren't, we weren't legal to drink in the U.S. So we'd go to the U.S. and go on tour and have to like try and get the other bands to buy us beer it was a fun time, though. You know, it's it, like I said, it's kind of like that what every band dreams of we kind of got. It's so cool, though, looking at the longevity that you guys have had. I mean, to be putting out these eight albums, to be going back on the road. Um, you guys have had such an amazing career. Um, and it's so cool to think of like, yeah, these kids that it's funny. I'm sure anyone listening to this is like, yeah, he's from, from 41. We get it. But like, for me, I just I, it's really cool to like see what you guys have have been able to do with your whole careers and just keep things going and to keep things changing. And now looking at this new album to see you guys kind of go back to your roots with some of that pop punk vibe. I, I'm like you, like I'm shocked that it happened for us and all this other stuff. Like it was a big deal, I think. Um, and and for you too, like you came out of Ajax too, and you went to the WWE and the score in Toronto. Like that's a big thing for someone coming out of Ajax because there was nothing that came out of Ajax. It's funny, like looking at your guys, like looking even on like the Sum 41 uh, Wikipedia, it's like from Ajax, Ontario. 
I don't know if mine says Ajax or it says Toronto. Um, but if I tell, I know that's what I want to look up because you guys are very Ajax centric that if I say Ajax, it's that some 41 land. That's like all you guys, no matter who I told you, like, isn't some 41 from there? When we were growing up, you never heard of anyone coming out of it. No hockey players, no baseball players, nothing came out of Ajax. So I think that's kind of the shock was like, well, the band's yeah. from Ajax, nothing ever happens in Ajax. And nothing did happen in Ajax. There wasn't even a goddamn movie theater when I was growing up. And I think that's what drove people like, like us to do music and probably you to do your thing and like, broadcasting and stuff because there was nothing to do. So you have to pick something is like, you know, you go smoke weed with your friends and play music in the basement. Go hang outside the 7-Eleven and see what was happening around town. And then, yeah, go back to your house and try to be creative in some aspect. Um, Let's talk your fashion, because I feel like your fashion is underrated. You always have a good fashion game. How do you put your outfits together? Oh, my God, Renee. Um, I don't know. (laughs) You know what I do? Literally what I do is I think... What's Shannon going to like me in today? If I'm going out for dinner, I'm always like, is this good? And she's always like, put on the big black hat. So I'm kind of always, you know, talking to her about stuff. And she actually just bought me this new jean jacket. So a lot of, you know, I, I do credit maybe her for a little bit of it. Um, she definitely does not hold back if I look bad in something. Well, you guys have been together for a very long time. Yeah, I mean, 22 years together. That'll do that. But, you know, the other thing is I, I love bands like The Clash. Um, I look back on that era, like that late 70s punk stuff, the stuff that I, I wasn't really dressing like that in my 20s and stuff. But I, along the way, I just started really appreciating that look more. And so that's kind of, you know, those are bands that I really I love. You know, The Clash is one of my favorite bands of all time. And so like even on this new tour, I'm doing a spray like a spray paint shirt for the tour. And that's kind of that's very Clash. Like they used to spray paint their shirts all the time. You got to evolve it a little bit. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, You guys have played with some iconic bands uh, and musicians. Who were the ones that stand out to you the most that you were like going in, whether it was like you're doing a show together, you're recording together that you were kind of crapping your pants for? At the time when we were doing it, I was really into it. But I think years later, it really hit me that it was really, really once in a lifetime thing was we recorded a song with Iggy Pop in 2003. And at the time I was like, oh yeah, Iggy Pop, I, you know, I was 23 years old. I was like, oh, I know Iggy Pop, I know Lust for Life. And I know he was in a band called The Stooges, but I didn't at the time, I even really know a lot of the Stooges stuff. But it was years later, you know, after that song came out and we were playing as his backing band at some award shows and stuff like that. We ended up playing with him quite a bit as his band because he didn't, he doesn't really have a band. He just kind of gets a band whenever he needs one. But it was years later, I started realizing like, this is the goddamn godfather of punk. Like, man, I, I did a song with Iggy Pop and you start to, it sinks in. And so that to me was probably one of my highlights. Um, another one would be, we went on tour with Motley Crue for a month and uh, I'm sure everyone's probably seen the dirt by now. This was in 2005 and, you know, we're all metal guys. We all, we know their whole catalog, but like, you know, I guess, you know, some of them were, I guess Nikki Six was sober at the time. Tommy was not and Vince Neil was not. And those guys, it kind of was like the grown-up version of the dirt. They were still partying. Like, it was, it was shocking. I, like, every night we would go to Tommy. It was called Tommy Land. And we would go to Tommy's room, and he'd have this big stereo system, and he'd be blasting music at 11. You know, it was like as loud as it could go, and everyone's dancing around, and we're kind of in there with our drinks and can't really talk because it's so loud. But it's like it reminds I'm like, this is what it was like in the 80s, just as more of an adult version. Talk to me about Iggy Pop's body in real life, because 
Holy shit. It is pretty insane. And when we did that song with him, he was in his 60s. But now he's, you know, I think he's got to be his mid to late 70s now. But what uh, we asked him about that um, during that recording and, and we shot a video with him. We were like, what is going on with you, Iggy? You know, we're 23 looking at ourselves like, Jesus Christ, man. And so he does Tai Chi. That's what he told us at the time. He doesn't even lift weights. He just is basically like, you know, I don't, I don't really know much about it, but it sounds like glorified stretching. Like he, he just... It looks insanely good. Hey guys, if you're here listening to the sessions, thank you. Hello. Hi. And you love some combat sports. Well, be sure to check out Boxing with Chris Mannix. It's every Friday as he talks with the biggest names in boxing, UFC, and yes, even the occasional wrestling superstar. Chris is one of the most passionate and influential voices in the sport and he's here every week to help you get smarter on all things boxing. He'll also help you win some money on FanDuel with his weekly betting segment where he breaks down the best bets for all the big fights. Download Boxing with Chris Mannix only here on the Volume Podcast Network. So we grew up in the same town, had a bunch of mutual friends. I was friends with your sister. Your wife is now, you know, one of my nearest and dearest. We've been friends for a very long time. Were you as into sync as my sister was? No. That was all Krista. She wanted to go to the Pickering Town Center. She was all about going to see NSYNC. Not that I'm, I, I mean, I loved NSYNC. Maybe loved is a stretch. I was never like a huge boy band person. Like I didn't lean into it that much, but I think like, yeah, I don't know. I was never huge Backstreet Boys or NSYNC. I feel like I'm, I don't know why I missed that. Yeah, maybe you had met my sister when she was already over that phase. Or- oh no, I knew Krista in that stage. Oh, yes. Hey, did you know that me and Krista at one point tried to create our own band to ride the coattails? No, I I don't know it. (laughs) Oh, my God. I completely forgot that that happened until this exact moment. Oh, my God. It was me, her, Holly, and Dina that we were all like, guys, we obviously the next step for us here is if Jay has a success with this great band, maybe we should start a band as well. Um, unfortunately, the record labels weren't coming to <laughs> what us. What were you going to do? We, we were all singing. I think we were just a quartet of singers. <laughs> oh, my God. Well. Oh, my God. These are the dumb <laughs> things that kids do. I would love to hear those original songs. You know what? So would I. Actually, I wouldn't. I would I would just probably wrap it up from here. If, if, that, if those ever got leaked somewhere, I actually don't think that they – that they live anywhere, but um, very funny. My sister has everything. She keeps everything. Damn it, Krista. Order of everything. Okay, I'm going to make sure that I, I'm going to drop her a line after this and go listen, delete it all, throw it all in the garbage. Um, but I mean, yeah, I mean, we go way back. I've, you know, I've been to your cottage. I've hung out with your mom a bunch, your dad. I mean, it's all, you've seen my dad a ton. I'm sure you had your first beer at my house with my mom. Quite possibly. Because my Quite possibly. a huge wino and she's just given. I remember having my first drink at like seven. <laughs> it, was like, it was like Christmas morning. She's like, mimosa? I'm like, sure. <laughs> That's what we do. We're McCaslins. I'm like, That's, oh we're Irish. It's not a tradition. My mom was not like a wino and she's still not. My mom definitely likes to smoke the marijuana, but that's new. That's new. But my mom was always like cool with us having drinks because I definitely had a drink really early too. I remember being like up at like my cottage and having like a Kahlua with milk or having like the neck of like a Mike's Hard or like a, you know, a Caesar or something. 
Is that just a Canadian thing or? That would be Bloody Mary in the US, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I had to keep it straight for us though, that it was a Caesar, which is the superior drink. It's different. Clamato juice, not tomato juice. Yeah. Whole thing. People freak out when you say Clamato though, because you say, well, it's tomato juice with like clam juice. And people are like, what? But it's heaven. It's thinner than tomato juice. And it's, it, it doesn't even like, there's nothing fishy about it. Let me make that abundantly clear. It's like just a little saltier, maybe, maybe like a little brinier, but it's great. I, I do think, I think you're right. I think it's better. It's, the, the Americans just gotta, you, you gotta try it. You gotta try everything, you know? And you know what? You actually can buy Clamato juice in most grocery stores here now, which I was like thrilled about that. I was like, I could still keep the dream of the Caesar alive. Thank God. Yeah. I wonder if it's like a, just a Northern U.S. thing though. Is it, is it down in the- No, because in Vegas we had it. And I thought in Vegas that I was like, oh, is it because we're more South that that's the reason why you can get it? But I can get it at the grocery stores here too in Cincinnati. So I think it's making its way. However, all dress chips are not everywhere, which is upsetting because they have them in Vegas, but I've not found them here yet. The thing about the all dress chip though, have you ever looked, you've looked at the ingredients, right? Well, if you look like the front of an all dress chips bag is what it's like vinegar, a tomato. I don't, I can't remember what the, I think there's like another thing that's on like the front of it. Yeah. It's, it's a long paragraph of ingredients, stuff that should not be in chips, but it is tasty. I'm kind of like that. I like just potato oil and salt. I'll have them all. I've never met a potato that I did not like. Um, Okay, so back to you. You also have been producing a ton of other bands and like in a bunch of different genres as well. How did you kind of just take all that on and how do you find the bands that you're working with? What gets you excited? Yeah, the the first big thing I ever did um, was kind of by chance. It was this band called the Strumbellas. And they actually, they did, went on to have like a number one song in the U.S., but I didn't do that song. I just, I said, let's do three songs. I've never really done this before, but I've, you know, I've made a bunch of records by this point. This was probably 2007. So I said, you know, just give me three songs. Let me try it. And then it worked out great. So I ended up doing their whole album. But I think most of the stuff I never, for producing, I never really go out and look for stuff. It's stuff just falls in my lap. Like someone will hand me a, a CD at a bar or a friend will call me and say, Hey, I, I know this band and, and they're big Sum 41 fans. They would love it if you could do a song. So that's kind of how it happens. And I like doing it, but what I'm starting to realize is producing with Sum 41 gearing up now for tour, producing takes a long time. It takes a long time to record an album. So I'm starting to maybe just do like little, like three songs at a time or something and not commit to full albums. Uh, but the radio show thing that I'm, I'm doing, that one I actually went out and like tried to make happen. That was kind of a kind of a dream of mine for a long time. Even back to the mid 2000s, um, there was a guy on the air um, who you probably remember, Bookie. He passed away a couple of years ago, but in the mid 2000s, he was like, Cone, you, you should really have your own radio show and, or come on mine and do a segment every week. And I was so busy and I was 25. I was like, oh, I was kind of scared about that kind of stuff. I was like, I don't know if I want my own show. But over the pandemic, I was kind of like, I, I think I want to revisit this radio show idea. So I started, you know, trying to find radio stations to, to take my show and this um, radio station in Oshawa or right by where we're from. Uh, but they, you know, they broadcast all over the, uh, all over Toronto called 94.9 The Rock. They picked up my show. It's called Cone's Cave every Sunday at 7 p.m. And I play, I basically play punk music and garage rock and heavy metal stuff that like if you turn on the radio right now, you're never going to hear that stuff. Yeah, unless it's like on Sirius or something, right? That's like tailored to that. 
That's it. And that was kind of my pitch. I was like, people are going to Sirius to go to Faction Punk or uh, Marky Ramon station to hear this stuff, but give me one hour and I'll play this stuff. And, you know, you're going to maybe get a whole new listening audience through this. And, you know, I have guests on every week. You're going to be one of my guests. And uh, I think, you know, it debuts this Sunday. Um, I don't know when this airs, but, and then, you know, I run into people on tour all the time. Like we play festivals with crazy bands like Slipknot. And, and then the next day we're playing with the Foo Fighters and the next day we're playing with Weezer. So I run into all these amazing bands on tour. And I was like, this would be great to just grab one of them for a second, just do a quick little interview. So that's kind of the idea. So who do you have lined up for guests? Well, right now, so the first week is Ian DeSaw from Billy Talent, um, who I just saw play like the Normo Dome in Toronto. Really good. You know, they played the where the Maple Leafs play. So then I have DMC from Run DMC tomorrow. I just talked to Chaos today. Jim from Pennywise, Dickie from the Boss Tones, Noodles from the Offspring. So it's like that, those kind of bands. And then me. But, you know, <laughs> it's, it's perfect. It's perfect because like, you're in the entertainment thing and, and, and everyone's interested. Everyone's interested to know like, I'm big on like where the influence came from, like what made you want to do what you do. And so that's kind of what I talk to my guests about and play like, you know, old tracks, like not singles, like really good album tracks that, you know, on the radio. Stuff like that. No, I, I think you're going to be a great guest on my show. I'm actually really excited for that because to me, there's something like, I don't like the romanticized idea of radio in my head, but there's something about it that I just think is like very charming and very cool to be a part of. Like when I do my Sirius XM show, it's like talk radio. But yeah, I think doing what you're doing is awesome. In like an hour, no harm, no foul. It's not too long of a time. You can fill that time easily. And yeah, it, like fun for you to get to explore music through like kind of a different lens. The biggest thing for me was I think I'm, I, I, I do listen when I'm in the car. I do listen to the radio, but I do have Sirius XM. And the biggest thing for me when I'm turning on these stations is and and we're on, we're on these stations too, so I'm kind of, you know, we're some forty one's a part of the commercial radio scene, but it seems like they're just playing the same songs over and over. You know, it's like this is an avenue for a band like uh, I don't know, No Effects or Rancid or Sex Pistols or you know stuff that everyone loves, but you can't turn on commercial radio and hear it, which is pretty crazy. I mean, those are all really big bands that you think that you'd hear a little bit more of that, but you're right. I mean, even what are like the, like, you know, I mean, I know rock and like punk are still pretty separate, but you turn on, you know, the edge or whatever, like any local station is like, even when I'm home, I'm like, Oh my God, you guys are still playing the same songs. I don't want to bag on commercial radio at all, but like, like for some 41, they still play fat lip and in too deep. Like that song's 22 years old and sure play it, play as much as you want. But I'm always kind of like, you know, it'd be, amazing to get the new song to get played you know 100% part of my show is going to be doing that too like I'll you know play the new I don't know face to face song or whatever whatever bands that I've liked punk bands that come out with songs that probably aren't going to get played on commercial radio I'll play it you get to be like the new Kim Mitchell is Kim Mitchell still on radio there (laughs) (laughs) Kim, Kim actually I've never met Kim but I'm a big fan of Kim. Hell yeah, Patio Lanterns baby. The Americans wouldn't know Kim either. That's, that's No, you guys don't know Kim Mitchell and I mean listen, if it's like summertime's just around the corner, you're out at a cottage or a cabin, you're, you know, that's definitely like around the bonfire, play a little Kim Mitchell, get hip to it. Yes. Know it. Go for soda. Into it. Go for soda. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> what are you listening to right now? What 
If we were looking at like your most current playlist, what is on rotation the most for you right now? There's um, uh, the band that, because I just went to that Billy Talent show, the band that opened the show is a band from Montreal called Nobro. And it's, it's a band of four females and they are so good, like really good. But it's, 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 it's you know, it's in your face and it's punky, um, but I'm, I'm really into that. Um, right now, I don't know, new bands. So with this show, like I've been kind of like, I have a master playlist. So I've been listening to a lot of just like, you know, punk music and I've really gotten into late in life. And I don't even know why it's so late in life because everyone loves them um, in this, in the punk world, but Bouncing Souls, because I've been doing the show. So it's, 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 it, I've been listening to more and more punk stuff and garage stuff and you know revisiting like bands like the Sonics from the 60s are so good um so like that so in that world it's really funny that like later in life getting into stuff that you're like I know I should know about this and I should maybe have like a better comprehension of this but I'm going to lean into this right now everyone obviously knows all Elvis but I was just like I'm just gonna put on I'm gonna go through like a big Elvis phase right now I would actually love to do Graceland I have done um like going through like Memphis and going to Sun Studios, I've been able to do that, but I've never done the full grace. And I also am dying to go to Dollywood. Have you ever been to Dollywood? You know, the thing about Graceland, it, it's cool, but it, it's actually like you walk in, you're not allowed to go to the bedroom where he died or the, I think he died on a toilet. That is the yeah. lore. <laughs> uh, so you're not allowed to go up there. Um, everything else is kind of like, it's not as big as you'd think. But there's some cool rooms. There's, I think there's like an animal room. It's all done in animal stuff. It's, it's cool to see. But I think the biggest thing with that is I noticed it's, a, it's an enterprise now. It's like I bought, I bought a pair of socks for like $30. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and like Elvis doing a little clothes on it. Like yeah. clothes on and the, really, the, yeah. really the socks lasted for like two weeks. Come on, Elvis. At least get the stitching right. I know. But that's the biggest thing I took away. I was like, it's, it's cool to be in Elvis's house, but it's, it's more about like an enterprise now. Um, how much has dad life changed you as a person and like changed your life on the road, changed you as a musician? You've got your two delicious little babies that were great babysitters of my little baby. It was a whole situation when we were at your house the other week. I think when we first had Max, we were, we were touring quite a bit right off the hop. I think we started touring when he was about one. And, and I think that's the, the thing is like, you, yeah, you really miss home when you have kids. Other things pop up on tour like, dangerous situations like your bus drivers you know you're trying to sleep on the bus and you're starting to hit the ribs on the road and you're kind of thinking back then I used to like you know you'd worry but now I'm like oh my god if I die you know you start thinking weird things like oh my god my kids grew up without a dad you know so you're thinking about like weird extreme things like that and that really goes through my head now that's so I've tried to keep myself safe as possible not just for me but like because my kids it's it's you know it's just that situation now I had my first night away from Nora just last weekend. And it's funny. I thought the same thing. I was like on a plane and I was like, oh, imagine. But I know it, I, you do think about shit like that differently. Like extreme situations, stuff that you should probably not think about. Like, why am I even thinking about this stuff? You are a hypochondriac as well. Though. Let's just touch on that for a quick moment. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's that like I, 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 I was in the Congo in 2004 with the, with the band and we almost died in a war. I think after that point, I got bad. Like that's when I started becoming a real hypochondriac um, because of this, this situation I was in when I was 24. 
but yeah, I think like, even with my kids, it's like, even if I see one of them climbing something, I automatically think he's going to fall and break his neck and be paralyzed. Take me back to that time in the Congo though, because that is crazy that you guys were there while like a war was breaking out. What happened? Yeah. Well, yeah, the war, there was a ceasefire. So we went over there, we were in the Congo um, to do a documentary on the effects of the war that had happened where 3 million people had died. Um, it was the biggest war in African history, the most casualties. And no one, no one over in North America knew about it. Like it wasn't mainstream news. Like, you know, like we're seeing Ukraine right now, um, which is on the news constantly. This war, 3 million people died. No one, no one was reporting on it. So we were like, well, that's, that really is shitty. We should, let's try and bring light to this. And so we went over to do a documentary and it was supposed to be safe. Like there had been a ceasefire for a year. And we, you know, we were interviewing a lot of ex-soldiers and child soldiers, really. That, you know, I, we talked to people everywhere from eight years old to 15 years old that had just fought in this war. Like we're given like, here, take a gun, go run in the forest and shoot people. While we were there, this general tried to cross the border into um, Rwanda and was denied access. So he came back with all his military friends and started shooting at the border. And then a whole war erupted, basically. Like it, it fired back up. It was, and so we were at this hotel and there was mortar rounds exploding around the hotel, like shaking our hotel. Like they were getting close. And we could hear gunshots, helicopters in the air, patrolling the area. And we had a guy from Victoria, B.C., and he was the only guy with military experience and he had a bat and a cigar. And his name was Chuck. We ended up naming our uh, third album Chuck after him. Oh, wow. I didn't know that's what you named it after. That's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. We, said, we said to him, we're like, there was 40 of us in this hotel. And we said to him, Chuck, if you get us out of here alive, we're going to name the new album after you. And he was like, all right. And he smoked his, and he would patrol around with his little bat, patrol the yard. And then eventually we got these uh, UN tanks to come to the hotel. And we all like ran, covering our heads, jumped in the tanks and got escorted out to the UN compound, which then put us on like a, we spent the night there and then they put us on a school bus and took us through town to the airport. And the plane we came in on came and miraculously landed somehow. We ran into the plane and we were, we left. But the thing that made me kind of upset about the situation was we were lucky that we could leave. But I, I actually, like, it was a weird feeling. You're like, oh my God, we're out and we're alive and we're safe. But I'm like thinking, we're all kind of looking out the window. Like we all started talking like, oh my God, all those people can't leave. Like all these people that live there. And it's kind of like the situation in, in the Ukraine right now is like everyone's trying to get out and not to make this too much of a downer um, thing, but everyone's trying to get out, but they can't because Russians are, you know, bombing all these places and people are dying. And that was kind of what it was like for us. We were able to get out, but all the people who live in the Congo couldn't. And it was, it was, it was definitely a worse uh, point in my life. That's and that was like during a time when like we didn't really have smartphones. So you couldn't just like did you get to talk to Shannon at like what was the, your contact like with people back home during that? Yeah, I think I think at the time when we were at the UN compound, finally someone had a, a phone. And so I think Shannon had already known something. Maybe it was on the news or something. I, I'm not really sure. Some some people or some like a radio station was saying something about it. Um, and so I did get to talk to her. Yeah. I actually forget. It's, it's weird to be in that situation because your body is kind of numb and you're not really thinking straight. And none of us like had any water to drink. And like, we were running on like 36 hours of just adrenaline and, and like, you're really in this like state of like, uh, it's hard to explain. Like you're just out of body experience. So I can't even remember conversations I had then. They just weren't real. You know, it was like I was, you're such, your, your body's like in paralysis or something, you know. 
and not that I've ever been in any kind of a situation like that, but even when I was in, my mom and I were in Italy and then we flew into Paris right when they were having the terrorist attacks there. And we just like randomly had to stop there and we landed, got to a hotel. I turned on my phone, got on the Wi-Fi, and it just started like filling my phone that I was like, wait, what's happening here? Like weren't sure if we were going to be able to get out of Paris. Wasn't sure what it was going to be like trying to get to the airport. Like it was such a horrifying time to like yeah, it, it's totally like an outer body experience. Yeah. And it's such a trip. The whole scary thing about the war thing um, is that you have no control over anything. And that's that's why I watch, like I'm watching the Ukraine thing happen is like, I feel so bad for those people because they have no control. Like the bomb can land at any second. That's what it was like for us. Like we're in this hotel in this room and mortars were exploding around the hotel. And we didn't know if the next one was going to just land on our room. I know. It's so scary. There's just like, there's so much scary shit happening right now. Like even like the stuff that just happened in Brooklyn yesterday. I mean, a week ago for when this comes out for everybody, but like, yeah, like everything's horrifying. Um, scary. Anyways, uh, it is a very scary world. So, I mean, honestly, like that is the thing, like as a parent now, it really does make you look at things so differently. We're like, where's my kid? Where are they going? What's happening? Like, it's hard to not be that like hovering helicopter parent because it's a crazy world. Yeah, we, there's this uh, there's this big park in Toronto, High Park, and uh, you probably know it, High Park. Um, and they got this big castle there, and so the kids. Yeah. Oh, it's great. Yeah, it's huge. And I, I, I there's been a couple of times where I've like met, I've lost contact, like eye contact with Max, and I'm like, you start to panic, like where's my where's my son? Yeah. To the point where you <gasps> start screaming, where's my son? <laughs> <laughs> Yes. I've, <laughs> I've not had that, but so John, the other day we were out somewhere and like I had Nora in her stroller and I turned to do something and he just like, he took the stroller and walked away. And like, I like my heart, like literally left my body. It's like, what just happened? And he was like, well, you weren't looking blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, okay. She was literally right beside, but yeah, it's like that second that flashes. You know what ruined it for all parents? Unsolved mysteries. I know. And of course, now they like bring it back on Netflix. Like, guys, did we need the resurgence of this? Though that being said, it's like unsolved mysteries. And then like everything on TV is like these murder mysteries and what happened to these people. And like we all watch them because we're all psychopaths. (laughs) It's so bad. Um, Okay, so you were starting your show on Sunday, Easter Sunday, Cone's Cave. I'm excited to check this out because, hold on, I have to pull up the app that I use so I don't script the name for it. Um, Because, oh, I use MyTuner Radio. So if you're not in Canada, you can use MyTuner Radio to listen to radio stations from other countries. Yep. Um, Which I actually do that often because it's like, I mean, I I like knowing what's happening in like Canadian music. I want to hear what's happening up there. I like hearing the commercials, the whole shebang. Um, so I can listen to you from, uh, from Cincinnati. I'm very excited about this. Make requests. <laughs> yes, I know. I'll just be like, I'm going to call in. Could you just take callers? Does it work that way? No, I mean, it's, it's all pre-taped. Oh, so. damn it. Damn, damn, damn. I, yeah, I totally bombard. Instagram me. Instagram yeah, me. I'll Instagram you. <laughs> um, and if people want to come see Sum 41 and Simple Plan on tour to see if they are in fact friends, where do they go? <laughs> Uh, well, yeah, you can buy tickets on some41.com. Um, we're definitely going to be friends, I think. I feel good about it. I mean, listen, two 
good Canadian band. It's been around a long time. I don't think you guys got to get in each other's way anymore. You can just, everyone can be cool. I think it's cool. Yeah. I mean, like I said, Derek did that song with them. And I mean, uh, yeah, it's, it's, I think we just, we're over it now. Like I said, I don't even know why we were fighting. Who cares, right? (laughs) (laughs) All right, Jay, this has been a real treat. Um, Fun having you on the show. And I, I get to see you in like, Oh, you guys are here like middle of May, right? Yeah, it's like second week of May. I think 7th, 8th, or 9th in there. Oh my gosh, so like less than a month. All right, great. I'll see you then. Yeah, perfect. A big thanks to Cone, to Jay for hanging out with me. If you have not seen Sum 41 on tour, I highly recommend it. They put on a really great show. It's like super high energy. They've got so many hits that you're like, oh, hell Yes. Let's throw it back to some of these. And I, yeah, I'm really excited to hear some of these other songs from their, their new double album. Um, but yeah, definitely a great show to catch. Highly recommend their out touring with Simple Plan. Some good old Canadian guys just getting after it. So check them all out. Check out the album. And check out um, Jay's new radio show if you're in Toronto, if you're in Canada. Or you can do what I do and uh, use that radio tuner app. Because you can listen to radio stations from, I believe, all over the world. Maybe it's just North America. I don't know. I know that I can get it anyways. Cone's Cave on uh, 94.9. So check that all out. Lots of cool things. Thanks for hanging out, everybody. Coming up uh, on the other episode of the sessions for this week, I am joined by Big Swole. This is actually our redo of an interview because we tried to do the interview months and months ago. A lot has happened since then we get into the whole thing. So uh, keep your eyes and ears open for Thursday's episode with Big Swole. Later. Later.